Hello, everyone. I want to say that one of the songs I enjoy listening to is Running Back to You by Vanessa Williams. I'm going to direct Vanessa's song to the church. I'm going to put it slightly in my own words. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to speak it. Church, you've been running around too long. Now I think you're running out of time. No more jumping in and out of my bed. It's time for me to draw the line. So you think you can call me the only one, then walk out the door. And you think you can run around having fun and just come back for more. Church, I think you're living in a fantasy. It's got to be them or me. So if you try it one more time, church, don't expect me to come running back to you, running back to you. Then you think about love, all the good love I gave to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. And I'll find other people, non-Christians to give it to. Oh, 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 I won't come running back. I won't come running. Oh, 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 I won't come running back. I won't come running. Church, hope you see before too late. I won't play the fool. No, not this time. Now show you just how wrong you are to think I just can't get you out of my mind. So you think you can just play me off and walk out the door. And you think that you could just run around and come back for more. Church, I think you're living in a fantasy. It's got to be them or me. So if you try it one more time, church, don't expect me to come running back to you, running back to you. Then you think about love, all the good love I gave to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. Now find other people, non-Christians, to give it to. Church, you can't diss me when you want to, or come and go when you want to. I hear you're playing around when you want to, anytime that you want to, or just tell me lies when you want to. I got more than you want. Oh, oh, and by the way, uh, uh, and then I say, church, oh, oh, I won't come running back. I won't come running. Church, oh, oh, I won't come running back. I won't come running. I won't come running. I won't come running back to you. Church. Then you think about love, all the good love I gave to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. I won't come running back, running back to you. And I'll find other people, the non-Christians, to give it to. Oh, 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 I won't come running back, church. I won't come running, church. Oh, 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 I won't come running back, church. I won't come running, church. That is how I feel about the Christian church. And I'm gonna share more of how I feel about the Christian church.
here is the toxic theology. That I am proud of myself for overcoming. I'm going to say it to you now in the form of my own words. I won't sing it. I'm a, I'll just speak it. So I'm going to slightly put this in my own words, but this is the fire and brimstone theology that I had to overcome. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. God's making a list. God's checking it twice. God's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming again. God sees you when you're sleeping. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you've been bad or good, speak good for God's goodness sake. Hey, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. God's making a list. God's checking it twice. God's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming again. God sees you when you're sleeping. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for God's goodness sake. Hey, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. God sees you when you're sleeping. God knows when you're awake. God knows when you've been bad or good. So be good for God's goodness sake. Hey, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Jesus Christ is coming again. God's making a list and God and God is checking it twice. God's going to find out who's naughty and nice. Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again. Jesus Christ is coming again for the final time. I had to put it that way because it was all about fear. It was fear running the narrative of Christianity. And I just said, hell no. Pun intended. So I want to talk to you about ChristianityToday.com. November 26, 2021. This is the leadership section. Michael McKenzie. Abuse keeps flourishing in the church. Here are four reasons why. From Rabbi Zacharias to Mark Driscoll. We could trace a number of similarities between church leaders who abuse their power. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because we, you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Politics, sports, weather, another story of a pastor or director of a ministry who has abused someone seems to be how the news goes these days. 
what is going on? And more importantly, what can we do to stop it? The church is to be a sanctuary, a refuge, a healing place. But for many, it's become the source of their pain and wounds and often at the hands of the church's leaders. There have always been evil people in the world who are bent on finding opportunities to exploit others for their own gain. Unfortunately, some of these people make their way into leadership positions in the church. There are others in leadership who have a level of brokenness starting out, and though they intend it well, over time their personal issues grew to where they become abusive to others. But this is the church, the bride of Christ. And especially when we are talking about his leadership, we not have a high standard of conduct. There are many facets that contribute to the problem of allowing people who are abusive in positions of power in the church. Here are some. Hero worship. That seems like over-the-top phraseology as if we're talking about making passions to one of the Avengers. Specifically, I mean the tendency to hyper-focus on and overvalue a few characteristics of the leader and largely ignore character qualities. For example, valuing speaking ability and assertiveness and not being as concerned about kindness and patience. Goal confusion. The goal often when evaluating a Christian leader is can they fill the seats or can they grow the ministry? Taylor Swift or Kanye West can fill the seats. What is really the mission of our church or ministry? What is really the mission of our church or ministry? And does the leader in place exude the values of our mission? Lack of accountability. Because of the hero worship, they can do no wrong in parentheses. Our propensity towards having a solitary leader. Our focus on efficiency and production and that community and intimacy. And at times the leader's giftedness is spinning situations the way they want them to be seen. And there's often little to no accountability. As Kirk Franklin said, the gifted do fall through the cracks. They don't ask about your walk with God. They don't ask about who and what are troubling you. They think, well, because you perform so well and your speaking and singing and musical abilities are so good, they won't think that anything or anyone is troubling you. But even in church, just like the rest of the world, the gifted do fall to the cracks. And I take a step further. In church, just like the rest of the world, the gifted are pushed, shoved through the cracks. Quote unquote, protection of the institution. You see, time and time again, when an abusive leader is not handled quickly and effectively, when abuse has become evident due to those in power desiring to protect the ministry. As has been well pointed out by many, this devalues the victim, the vulnerable, and enables the abuse to continue. These reasons and others play into how a situation like Rabbi Zacharias occurs. There's a blind eye to the red flags that there are problems with the leader's conduct because this cannot be true. The ministry is doing great. No one is holding the leader accountable, and those who hold him hold them accountable have responsibility to protect their ministry. The values driving hero worship, goal confusion, lack of accountability, protection of the institution contribute to the problem of having abusive leaders in place. Does the leader create the culture that values these or does the culture create them and the leader steps into them? 
both it would seem and both can take steps to change these values and replace them with appropriate ones there's an example from outside the church my son's elementary school has a zero tolerance policy for bullying or other forms of victimization they aim to achieve the goal of zero bullying through several means the goal value of respecting each other is clearly and repeatedly communicated from the top down healthy ways of dealing with issues are taught immediate communication regarding the witnessing experience of any abuse is Encourage the persons who can hold the abuse accountable. The rules and process for dealing with the abuse and when committing the abuse are written down and clear and protect or support from the one abuse is in place. The church would do well to have a zero tolerance policy that is in place and supported and communicated from the top down. Yet we can do better. No abuse is a good goal, but it is not the goal. It, it is eliminating the negative but what about the positive? What should we be looking for in our leaders? Scripture is clear. It is Christ's likeness, or in other words, the fruit of the Spirit of Christ. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We as fathers, supporters, and members of churches and other ministries need to deeply value these attributes and seek them in the ones we, cho we, cho we chose to lead. Um, if our leaders exceed the spirit of the spirit, only will it be stopped and healing will happen in our churches. Michael McKenzie is a licensed professional counselor, ordained pastor and hospital chaplain. He has served for 10 years as the clinical director of Marble Retreat, a Colorado retreat center that specializes in ministry. Ministry leaders in crisis. He studied marriage and family counseling at Denver Seminary and as a D-man and pastor care from Lincoln Christian University. He's the author of the forthcoming book, Don't Blow Up Your Ministry, to be released December 14, 2021. Oh, it was released three days ago. Congratulations for him. So those are, I'm telling you more of the other reasons why I left religion, church, and Christianity. The, the hero worship was a reason. The goal confusion was the reason, was a reason lack of accountability was the re was a reason and the protection of the institution was another reason too um, here we go samanthapfield.com theology church statistics and abuse ooh I grew up in a Christian fundamentalist cult but escaped as a young adult now I write about being a bisexual woman, abuse survivor, exploring intersectional feminism and liberation theology. I like her already. Trigger warning for child sexual abuse, rape, domestic violence. I'm not entirely sure when it happened, but from the reading I've been doing sometime in the last 30 or so years, there's been a subtle shift in how churches talk about growth. What my reading tells me that this is at least somewhat connected to the rise of the quote-unquote megachurch it becoming impossible for pastoral staff to simply look around their churches and understand who their congregation is. There's a certain appeal to, evalu to evaluating church growth by the numbers, especially when church sizes seem to be ballooning. Applying business models that are intended to bring growth can be extremely useful for a variety of organizations and churches that are really just organizations. Organizations that are almost totally defined by quote-unquote growth for better or for worse. Even Acts, as my partner pointed out yesterday, the apostles tossed around a lot of numbers. Peter especially has one famous speech about Pentecost and how many were saved. And a church that I've been in that 
and the church that I've been in that have talked numbers, X many people are saved, X many people are baptized, X many people have joined our church in the last year. The focus all the focus has almost always been hope. Numbers are real, concrete indications that we're headed in the right direction, that what we're doing is making a difference. Numbers are people. But in the last year, my perspective has changed quite a bit. I used to hear those numbers shouted from pulpits all over the country and exalt right along with the preacher. And in some ways I still do. But when I hear about how many people regularly come to church and how many children are in Sunday school, and how many babies are dedicated, a completely different set of numbers start spinning around my head and it makes my heart ache. My heart has been especially broken this week since Bob Jones University decided to terminate the investigation they hired Grace to do. Godly response to abuse in the Christian environment. I wasn't a student of BJU, but I did grow up in that world. And I know many people who were, and I know how important the Grace investigation was to them how much hope it had given me that maybe, just maybe, BJ, you could turn over a new leaf. But just like the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, and just like Sovereign Grace Ministries and IBLP, and just like countless other churches and ministries all over the globe, BJU has decided to do what far too many other Christians have done, turn a blind eye to the abuses happening under their watch. Abuses that are allowing to happen through their silence, abuses they are complicit in. I know how hard it is to face the bleak reality that there are so many people willing to hurt others, that abuse in so many forms is commonplace. I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to be a pastor and stand in front of your congregation and know that there are abusers and victims in your church, that you could be shaking the hand of a pedophile or rapist after church, that you could be eating dinner in the home of a batterer, batterer that you can't know, not for sure. But this is a reality that does need to be faced. We need to look it dead square in the eye and let it change us. We need to keep in, in front of us always that people are hurting and desperate and don't know a way out. That most victims don't even know they're being abused, that abusers cloak themselves in forgiveness and grace and redemption. That some abusive husbands will use quote unquote I am the head of this home, you're my wife, so you must submit to me as a weapon. So because this needs to be something that we know, something that changes how we talk, changes the advice we give, changes the way we love the people in our churches, I've broken down an average church size by the most reliable statistics we have. Most churches in the United States have an average church attendance of around 500 adults, 125 children. Most congregations are dominated by married adults. So in this quote-unquote average church, there are 200 married couples, 275 women, and 225 men, 64 girls, 61 boys. This means that in this church, at least 40 marriages are abusive. Studies show that anywhere from 20% to 35% of all intimate relationships are abusive. Many are physically violent. Physical abuse is not the only form abuse can take, and other types of abuse are just as damaging. As many as 20 women are being consistently raped by their husbands. 
Studies performed by Susan Estrich and Diana Russell indicate that 10% of married women describe most of their sexual encounters with their husbands as non-consensual. 38 of the men were sexually abused as children. 68 of the women were sexually abused as children. Another 55 women have been raped, probably in college. Seven men have been raped as adults, although if you are near a military base, that number is probably higher. 16 of the girls will experience sexual abuse. 10 of the boys will experience sexual abuse. One or two of these children are being physically abused by their parents. It is possible that there are nine child sexual abuse perpetrators in this church. Since 30% of all child sexual abuse perpetrators are close family relatives, usually male relatives, although in 9%, 14% of the cases, the pedophile is a woman. Another 30% of the time the perpetrator is another older minor. That's a possible 256 people, 40% of this quote-unquote average congregation who have been violently wounded by some kind of horrific abuse. This isn't something we can afford to ignore. This is something that should utterly break us and radically transform everything we do as a church body. We can't be dismissive of hurt. We can't ignore that there's darkness and pain and suffering. We can't preach messages filled to the brim with ideas that could be turned into weapons by abusers. We can't afford the blithe, non-committal, if you're being abused, you need to get out, quotations, and move past that as if it didn't happen here. We have to stop burying our heads in the sand with our God doesn't give us more than we can handle and our faith like a mustard seed. We have to be the ones who love the hurting and the broken to acknowledge their pain. These are other reasons why I said no to staying in religion, staying in church, and staying in Christianity. It gets worse. Not in our church.com. You know exactly where I'm going with this. Abusive power comes as no surprise. Any church leader who feeds themselves rather than feeding the sheep is a counterfeit shepherd. Anyone in a position of power within the body of Christ who abuses a lamb or hides the abuse done to the one the good shepherd knows and calls my name has profaned the name of our God. Diane Langberg, PhD. Much respect to Dr. Langberg. So this is the adult. Oh, this is, ooh, this is about clergy abuse and, and clergy uh, chemical dependency. Stay tuned. Over 7,000 claims of sexual abuse by church staff, congregation members, volunteers of the clergy who made just three insurance companies over a 20-year period. Seattle Post Intelligence in 2007. Recently, a study of over 300 alleged child sexual abuse cases in Protestant Christian congregations found the overwhelming majority took place on church grounds or at the offender's home, most frequently carried out by Caucasian male clergy youth pastors, Denny, Curley, and Gross, 2018. Past, a lot of pastor preachers know that they're unholy, ungodly, demonic folks in their congregations. Kick them out instead of kicking out good people. Kick out the ass wipes instead of kicking out the good people. That's what I said. Here we go. More than 3% of women who had attended a congregation in the past month 
reported that they had been the object of BSM at some time in their adult lives. 92% of these sexual advances have been made in secret. Not in open dating relationships, and 67% of the offenders were married to someone else at the time of the of the advance. In the average American congregation of 400 persons, with women representing on average 60% of the congregation, there are on average of seven women who have experienced clergy sexual misconduct. That's what CSM means. Of the entire sample, 8% report having known about at CSM occurring at a congregation as attended. Therefore, in the average American congregation of 400 congregants, there are on average 32 persons who have experienced CSM in their community of faith. 51% of pastors say that internet pornography is a possible temptation for them. Approximately 20% of the monthly calls of folks in the family's pastoral ministry division are because of sexual misconduct and pornography. More than 30% of pastors are functionally addicted to internet pornography. More than 50% of more than 15% of pastors engage in sexual behavior that they consider inappropriate. 10 to 14% of pastors have sexual contact have sexual contact with someone other than their spouse while employed as a minister. Clergy sexual misconduct with adults is a huge problem prevalent across all denominations, all religions, all faith groups, all across the country. A survey of 6,000 United Methodists found half of all lay women, one third of lay men witnessed are victims of some degree of sexual harassment or misconduct in their congregations. From inappropriate comments by the pastor, laity, and leadership to physical assault and stalking. Reverend Pamela Cooper White, former director of the Center for Women and Religion at the Graduate Theological Union of Berkeley, California, and currently, Benji and Nancy Clapp, Gaysia Professor of Pastoral Theology, Karen Counseling at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, estimates that of the vast majority of victims of sexual exploitation by clergy, more than 95% are women. One in eight Protestant senior pastors say a church staff member has sexually harassed a member of the congregation at some point in the church's history. One in six pastors say a church, one, one in six pastors say a staff member has been harassed in a church setting. More pastors say they are addressing sexual and domestic violence from the pulpit, still have said they lack, they lack training on how to address sexual and domestic violence. I also get all the training you need. I don't use lack of training as an excuse not to be prophetic. It's a, you can't even be prophetic in the church called the house of God. You can't even be prophetic in the four walls. I have to just say, that's a damn shame. According to the late A.W. Richard Seif, the sexual exploitation of women by priests is not uncommon. Other researchers have argued that misconduct by clerics toward women is even more, is even more prevalent than their sexual abuse of children. According to research citing the Wind Pastors Prayer publication of the World Council of Churches, 
90 to 95% of victims of clergy sexual exploitation are women. This book also cites a 1984 survey of clergy in various Protestant denominations that found that 39% admitted to having sexual contact with a congregant and 12.7% had had sexual intercourse with a congregant. According to this article, there are 2.7 church shootings a year. They're estimated 30... 378,000 congregations in the United States, which means the likelihood of any congregation being involved in a shooting in any year is approximately 1 in 126,000 or 0.000000079%. You are more likely to be abused by someone in the church than your congregation being involved in a shooting. Joshua P. says in this article, diagnosing the scope of the problem sexual abuse in church isn't easy because there's no hard data. The most commonly referenced study shows how difficult it is to find accurate statistics. In that 2007 report, the three largest insurers of churches and Christian nonprofits say they received about 260 claims of sexual abuse against a minor each year. Those figures will exclude groups covered by other insurers, victors, victims older than 18, people whose cases weren't disclosed to insurance companies, and the many who, like Den Hollander, never came forward. In other words, the research does include what is certainly the vast majority of sexual abuse. There are studies that demonstrate that the faith community is even more vulnerable to abuse than secular environments. The Abel and Harlow study revealed that 93% of sex offenders describe themselves as quote-unquote religious, now, this category of offender may be the most dangerous. Other studies have found that sexual abuses within faith communities have more victims and younger victims. 40% of married pastors have had an extramarital affair, parentheses clergy abuse, while serving as a pastor. 50% of pastors admit to using pornography, and 37% report inappropriate sexual behavior with someone in the church. Abel Harlow Child Molestation Prevention Study. This study found that pedophilia molesters averaged 12 child victims and 71 acts of molestation. An earlier study by Dr. Abel found that out of 561 sexual offenders, there were over 291,000 incidents totaling over 195,000 total victims. These are enough victims to fill two and a half superdomes. This same study found that only 3% of these sexual offenders have a chance of getting caught. In her book, Dr. Anna Salter revealed that her own interviews of sexual offenders found that admitting to having perpetrated between 10 and 1,250 victims. She also writes that every offender she interviewed has been had been previously reported by children and the reports were ignored. Study, child sexual abuse in Protestant Christian congregations. Utilizing data from 326 cases of alleged child sexual abuse that occurred at or through activities provided by Protestant Christian congregations between 1982 and 2014, the overwhelming majority of identified offenders were male. Specifically, male offenders were represented by 98.8%. Specifically, offender ages at the time of the alleged sexual abuse range from 18 to 88 years of age. The overwhelming majority, 80.1% of offenders, were employed in an official capacity within their respective churches with a substantial minority, 19.9% being volunteers. 
pastor, 34.9%. Youth minister, 31.4%. Youth volunteer, 8.3%. Associate pastor, 5.4%. Music minister, 4.8%. Volunteer, 3.2%. Sunday school teacher, 2.9%. Deacon, 2.2%. Church member, 2.2%. Church camp worker, 0.6%. The most frequent, the most frequent male offender role was a pastor, 34.9%. Five specific location types of at the church defender's home. Off-site, off-site church-sponsored activity in the victim's home emerge. Where are all the volunteers? Where are all the noble Christians who are supervising? Why the lack of supervision? An overwhelming majority of the pastors surveyed, 75% underestimate the level of violence experienced within their congregations. Think before you speak, speak before you think. Additionally, two out of 366% of pastors speak once a year or less about the issue. And when they do speak out, the poll shows they may be providing support that does more harm than good. And though 81% of pastors say they would take appropriate action to reduce sexual domestic violence if they had the training and resources to do so. The broken silence report generated from this research highlights at best a significant blind spot within our churches in recognizing, responding to, and preventing gender-based sexual violence. In 2015, the first In 2015, the first national survey of adult survivors of clergy perpetrated sexual abuse was conducted March to May 2015. 280 survivors participated in the study. We're so grateful to the courageous survivors who agreed to participate. This project was directed by David Pooler, PhD, LCSW. Below you will find a summary of some of the salient findings. 65% of survivors were married. 88% of perpetrators were married. Only 4% of perpetrators were, were prosecuted. Only 8% agree or strongly agree that the church supported them as the abuse occurred. 8% agree or strongly agree that the perpetrator apologized to them. As if that's going to make the pain go away. No, apology does not get rid of the permanent effects of the trauma. And the permanent effects of the trauma don't end until I'm fucking dead. That's a bunch of bullshit. 50% agree or strongly agree that their experience with the church after the abuse negatively affected their relationship with God. 80% agree strongly agree that their experience with the church after the abuse negatively affected their spiritual life. 7% agree strongly agree that their church had, had a policy in place to help support them. This is pissing me off. 9% agree or strongly agree that their children was helpful. The church 9% agree strongly agree the church was helpful when they reported the abuse. 15% agree or strongly agree that their church life denomination thoroughly investigated the report. Websites devoted to reporting about clergy sexual abuse of both children and adults. The Wart, the Wart, the Wartburg Watch, Watch Keep, Stop Baptist Predators, No Eden Elsewhere, Bishop Accountability Abuse Tracker, Baptist Accountability Database Site, a crowdsourced database for Baptist predators and their neighbors. Other important articles. Crouching at every door, sexual abuse is a problem in both Catholic and Protestant churches. 
Here are three Bibles which process are particularly vulnerable by, by Marvin Olasky, Sophie Lee, Emily Bell's World Magazine. A 1984 Fuller Seminary survey of 1,200 ministers showed one in five theologically conservative pastors admitted to some sexual contact with a church member outside of marriage. More than two-fifths of quote-unquote moderate pastors and half of quote-unquote liberal ones acknowledged the same. A 1993 survey showed 6% of Southern Baptist pastors acknowledging sexual contact outside of marriage with someone in the congregation. Wow. So you have a lot of first ladies who are being shitted on because first ladies often experience quote-unquote competition from quote-unquote rival members in the congregation who wants to be sexually available for the past and the past be sexually available for them. So a lot of times first ladies are mistreated. A lot of times first ladies are dissed based on their wardrobe or how they talk or what education they did or did not get and their income bracket where they live and uh, and judging the preacher kids are these a bunch of wild preacher kids they're going to grow up to be worldly to be self-destructive and so on and so forth no one talks about first lady Spain I will in future episodes I will uh, I'll be sharing light more on these subjects in the future. Um, pretty much every bad thing that happens in church happens in all religions, all faith groups, all denominations, all across the country, all over the world. Um, What Jesus Kind of Social Justice Looks Like by Greg Boyd, January 7, 2019. For many, the primary way of building the kingdom is to influence politics in order to make America more Christian. Others take the opposite approach, concluding that Jesus didn't try to overhaul the political systems of his day through political means. Therefore, Christian faith is only a private matter that has no social relevance. Both approaches get it wrong because Jesus did not allow the society or politics of his day to define his ministry. He positioned himself to make a revolutionary prophetic impact upon his society and the politics of the time. Jesus did not buy into the limited options the culture placed before him. He rather exposed the ugly justice in all kingdom of the world options by offering a radically distinct alternative. For example, Jesus never entered into the fray of particular debates about the status of women in society. He rather exposed the ugliness of hate patriarchalism by the counterculture way he treated women. Ignoring negative consequences for his reputation, Jesus befriended them and gave them a culturally unprecedented dignity. In a similar way, Jesus did the same for social outcasts. He served lepers, the blind, the demonized, the poor, prostitutes, and tax collectors. His actions were a challenge to the inhumanity of social structures of the day that served as a mustard seed alternative that started small but grew slowly. Jesus also exposed the inhumanity of certain religious rules, which was a political problem in the first century because religious leaders had political power. He exposed the evil of racial, of racial prejudice by fellowshipping with Samaritans and Gentiles and even praised them in his teachings. In addition, he healed and worked miracles on the Sabbath, something that religious leaders forbade. Finally, Jesus exposed the barbarism of the Roman government by allowing himself to be crucified by them. 
Instead of using his power to preserve his life, he exercised the power of love by giving it. The power of the kingdom is not one where Christians aim to attain quote-unquote power over, like the, kingdoms of the, like the kingdoms of the world. Instead, we exercise quote-unquote power under. We therefore must resist the demonic pull toward quote-unquote power over violence that characterizes all versions of the kingdom of the world. Quote-unquote power under unmasks the ugly injustice and violence that dominates our political and social systems and doesn't wage war, quote-unquote, against flesh and blood. Instead, fights against quote-unquote rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this of this present darkness, these chapters in verse 12. It is a beautiful kingdom that is not so much spoken as it is displayed. It is a beautiful kingdom that is not so much spoken as it is displayed through loving action. Jesus called the church to be a community characterized by radical, revolutionary, Calvary quality love. A community that manifests the love of the triune God. A community that strives for justice not by conquering, but by being willing to suffer. A community that God uses to transform the world by providing it with alternatives to its own self-centered, violent way of existing. How socially and politically revolutionary it would be if we lived up to our calling. Editor's note, this piece has been excerpt, excerpted from Greg Boyd's book, The Myth of a Christian Nation, Use with Permission. Um, that is the kind of Jesus that I know and that I follow. And that is the kind of Jesus that I believe in. I accidentally left out one thing. A survey of 6,000 United Methodists found half of all lay women, one third of lay men, witness or are victims of some degree of sexual harassment or misconduct in the congregation from inappropriate comments by the pastor, laity, and leadership to physical assault and stalking. I don't remember me saying that earlier. I think I did, but I want to make sure I covered it. But again, um, with the, with, you know, the article Jesus kind of social justice looks like. And I say again, that is the kind of Jesus that I know, that I follow, that I believe in, and that I pattern my life after. <laughs>